Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to drop the puck. Time for the nightcap. Your home for news and insider info on your Vegas Golden Knights and the NHL. Let's hear from the goalie. Here's Lindsey Brown. Hey, hi, how are you? And welcome back to another installment of the Nightcap. We appreciate you choosing to join us to talk some Golden Knights hockey tonight via the CBS Sports Radio 1140 Signal, streaming on the Radio.com app, or in the future, podcasting from Apple Podcasts, because we are available on there as of last week. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. And tonight I am joined with my two co-hosts, my two best friends on the Golden Knights beat at least, Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. Hello, gentlemen. We're back. Hello. I appreciate the backhand compliment. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yes. of course. We are friends. Before we get started, where can we find all of your guys' great work? You go ahead first, Ben. Oh, thank you. Uh, you can find all my stuff at ReviewJournal.com. I went to a street hockey clinic with Max Pacioretty and Paul Stasny today. Ooh, that was pretty cool. Nice. Got some stuff on Peyton Krebs because he returned last night, the Golden Knights first round pick uh, with his junior team. So mm-hmm. yeah, ReviewJournal.com or at Ben S. Goats on Twitter, G-O-T-Z. Good stuff. Thank you. Folks, you can find me on Twitter at RP underscore Quiggs. Uh, you can also now find my stuff on, uh, if you like the Minnesota Wild, you can find my stuff on uh, HockeyWilderness.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at HockeyWilderness with one S because Twitter. Twitter. So, Those handles, man. Yeah, Sometimes it gets contentious. Right, I know. Yeah. I feel you. Unbelievable. As I said earlier, you can find us on Apple Podcasts or stream us on the Radio.com app should you miss any portion of this show or miss any shows in general because we want you guys to be as educated, as up-to-date on the Golden Knights as we possibly can get you. And, uh, you know, as Shang says in Mulan, let's get down to business, shall we, gentlemen? <laughs> So let's, do it. let's recap this week, this past week for the Golden Knights. Last night, they snapped their four slash five game losing streak against the Calgary Flames with a six to nothing convincing victory. Um, I, it was definitely needed considering they had lost to the league worst Los Angeles Kings just the night before in L.A. So it was definitely a tough and tall order to ask them to go back to back away and home. And, uh, and come out victors on the second half of that back to back. Yes, Ryan, you have your hand up. And don't forget the Red Wings. The loss of the Red I know, Wings. I know. We're we're gonna get there. We're just I, we can only go one at a time. I know. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. they the Red Wings were part of the back to back. Also, the Red Wings were a week ago. I know more than a week ago. So yeah. technically, that's not part of our thing. You're right. Feel me? You're right. You feel me? Okay, Ben. <laughs> you're the, you are my favorite child here so far because <laughs> we have lost thirty points for Gryffindor with I'll, Ryan over I'll there. Only, I'll only ruin it a little more. So. Before the the flame, before the Knights beat the Flames last night to six to nothing, we'll get into that a little bit more here in a second. But they did lose to the Kings and they lost to the Blackhawks, which is another pretty crappy team in the yeah. NHL. Although they are starting to look a little bit better, things were looking very, very contentious for this team Saturday night. Were they not? Oh, absolutely. So I was there in Los Angeles, and I think you could just tell that mentally this team was just up against it because mm-hmm. I think you could argue in both the Blackhawks and the Kings game that the Knights had a lot of good chances they maybe 
at five on five deserved a better fate than they got, and they still found a way to lose both games, and especially against the Kings, where you are tied 3-3. They had rallied from two different two-goal deficits. So they're kind of showing some response and some mm-hmm. fight to adversity that they had been talking about all week of, like, this is what we need to do. And then you lose on a tip in the third period that just goes right through the five-hole right. of Malcolm Subban. It was a great play by the Kings, rough ending for the Knights, and then you could tell after the game in the locker room that it was just like, yeah, we got to keep it up. Like, we know that the process is going to even out, but the results are obviously hard to take for them in the short term. And then I think you just tell the weight off everyone's back yesterday when the results actually did come. Absolutely. Do you think that they were feeling a lot of pressure before that Kings game on Saturday? Did you get any of that? Were you able to kind of get that media availability before the game? Yeah, we were. And I don't think... I mean, maybe it was just because it's a 1 p.m. start, so I don't know if they had time to feel oh, pressure. Oh, that, too. It was yeah. a really early game where mm-hmm. uh, Alex Tuck mentioned it felt like you know like a youth tournament where he's like, yeah, yeah. you just get up and you go play hockey, and right. you kind of go from there. So I don't know if they had time to feel pressure, but certainly, like I said, after the game, it was just, oh, my gosh, why does this keep happening? Because like, we've heard after a lot of games in this losing streak, like, well, we didn't feel like we played poorly. We felt like we deserved a better result. Yeah. We're not getting We're puck luck hard. right now. And we just have to figure it out, and we're going to trust that eventually we're going to get rewarded for kind of the work we're putting in. But obviously, once you get to five straight losses, which is where they're at against the Kings, 0-4-1 in their mm-hmm. last five, it's hard to have faith in the system right. at that point. When right. you just again and again and again, you're Charlie Brown, and you can't kick the football. That's well, when you lose confidence. Exactly. Yep. And then... They got it all back on Sunday where well, they kicked some that of football yeah, yeah. Yeah. multiple, multiple times. And now they have an entire off day today where they didn't practice just to feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And during that losing streak, the, the biggest theme that kept coming up for me amongst a bunch of things that they need to fix and work on was their ability to finish. Because they were getting scoring chances. They were, they were getting shots in high danger areas from the guys you want taking those shots. Ryan, what do you think that the Knights did last night that really clicked in for everyone. That was the difference between what they were performing like Saturday and during the losing streak and then what helped them succeed yesterday. Well, first of all, I think the puck luck was there. Like, they just have been a very unlucky team based off of the, I'm going to say it, the advanced metrics. It shows that they just have not, they have not quite been getting the puck luck that other teams have been getting. But also, I feel like they were keeping it simple. They weren't trying to do that extra pass or anything like that. I feel like they were doing, you know, just playing a simple, easy game. And I know sometimes... You know, to say, oh, we're playing a simple, easy game. It's not exactly the, uh, you know, something you want to hear, I guess. But sometimes that's how you need to play. And against this Flames team, it worked out quite well. And now the Flames aren't, I mean, they're not in the greatest spot right now either. Now there's talk about Goudreau being on the trade block. and It's crazy. So I think they played a good, simple game last night and they got rewarded for it. I just think they were aggressive. I mean, the money quote from the Kings game was afterward, uh, Coach Jarglant talked about, it just feels like we're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Right, right. And then, obviously, yesterday against Flames, they played to win. They weren't comfortable with their two-goal lead in the third period, uh, a lead that has been very unsafe for them at home (laughs) in recent weeks. Right. They went out and got a third goal, and then, of course, a fourth goal, fifth goal, a sixth goal. But they went out and they kept attacking. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury made a huge save on Mark Giordano to keep it Mm 2-0. Knights go the other way, eventually score, and then it's 3-0, and then kind of the avalanche starts from there. So that was huge to me, is they seem to just have a different mindset of like, okay, we're not going to sit back this time. We're going to go after it, and it worked. 
Right. It was like a slump buster. And we have a little piece of audio from Coach Galan here just kind of describing how much that losing streak was weighing on this team and how much that win and the convincing fashion that they that they were able to secure that win did for the team's confidence going forward. Today was a great hockey game. Uh, Fleury made some unbelievable saves, uh, you know, to keep it from uh, for a six nothing run, obviously. But uh, he made some key saves at key times. It was huge for us. But I thought our team, again, we played really well. We had all kinds of chances to score. So. A lot of good things happened tonight, and like I said, uh, thank God this losing streak's over because uh, we got a good team, we're playing well, and uh, a lot of good things tonight, so we just got to carry it over. we got a big week coming up, Toronto, San Jose, and then Edmonton, so tonight was a good start. And one of those big moments that Coach Gallant was talking about, when Marc-Andre Fleury does what he does so well, which is make acrobatic saves that make sense to no one, especially me, and as a former goaltender, I'm in awe of him on a nightly basis. But in that first period, like you guys both said, they were providing plenty of good pressure on the Calgary Flames, especially mm-hmm. in the Calgary Flames D zone. I thought that the Knights did a really good job of forechecking across all four lines, not just one or two really going balls to the wall at their defensemen and forcing them in, to make decisions quicker than they w- they would have liked to, and then thus force them to make mistakes. But the biggest save for me, and granted, it's the game-winning goal because it's the first goal of the game and whatever else, but before that Carlson goal was scored off that two-on-one, there was a sequence of saves that Fleury made where he was ever, it was true yard sale mm, fashion. Yeah, yeah. And... We've seen that happen before. We see that happen a lot. And the defensive zone was not something that was fixed last night. It's something they're going to have to consistently get better. But when they sprung that two-on-one, Carlson had the puck all the way down. And as I'm watching, I'm just like, please, Bill, shoot the puck. Please shoot the puck. And this is the thing, because that speaks to their confidence. That speaks to where their mindset is. Because Carlson has been more of a playmaker this year rather than a finisher. And what did he do? He skated down. He didn't pass the puck. He made sure the defenseman stayed where he needed to. He didn't give anything away. And he went in, took the shot, and he hit the net, and it went past the goaltender. And that is a very minute breakdown of exactly what happened. But all of those things happening in sequence is not something that the Knights have been able to do. It's been, well, we got the two-on-one and then we miss the net or we try to force a stupid pass because we think the pretty goal is better than just taking the shot and going for the rebound. And for me, I was just like, boom, to have Fleury make the saves that he always does and then to be backed up and supported by his team and finished right away, that was a huge turning point for me in the game and just in the just mindset of this team. Yeah, yeah like, you go ahead, Ben. No, they did that later uh, in the third period, too, with Max mm-hmm. Pacioretty and William Carlson again, and that time it was yeah. Pacioretty who scored. And to me, that was just vintage inaugural season night. Yeah. You absorb pressure in your own defensive zone, mm-hmm. and then you just spring out the other way in transition, and you beat the other team that way, and you demoralize the other team that way because exactly. the other team's like, oh my gosh, we had so many chances, and uh-huh. ugh, we make one mistake, and they go back the other way and score. And that was really the feeling I got watching both of those two on the one with Pat Trading Carlson of, okay, that's what it looked like in the first year. And if it looks like that now, that's going to be huge for this team moving forward. And that was something uh, Glant talked about after the game too, of like our transition game wasn't really there early this season. It was definitely there last night. And that mm-hmm. needs to continue to be part of our game moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just something they weren't doing on the losing streak. Like no. they were just, you wouldn't see someone just like take the shot. They always tried to go for the pass. They were in right. their own heads. Yeah. They were Second literally guessing their, what, what their true nature yes. is as a player. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. just killing themselves and they, it was showing in the, in the uh, scoreboard for what was five straight games. Right. So like, it's good to see them having that confidence. I don't know what Gallant told them, but they were confident yesterday. 
Well, and it could just be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Because like you be. said, it, eventually things are going to start to go. And uh-huh. But when you're second-guessing yourself, that means you're taking that little sliver of a second, and that's a sliver of hesitation. And at this level, that's the difference maker. Right. And so by taking that little decision out, instead of picking out your outfit every day like Steve Jobs didn't, he chose to just wear the same thing every day because it's one less decision, one less thing to think about that enables you to go on with your day and stay in rhythm. And I think that's what the Knights were able to reclaim last night is just being like, let's just play loose. Let's just do what we do. And for them to do that and actually translate to goals for that puck luck to turn, that's huge. And they had fun. And they had fun. That was a fun game. Mm-hmm. Like Flurry almost fought. Yeah. Flurry almost fought. Exactly. It's great. Exactly. He, Mark Stone's chirping in the penalty the box. Mark something Stone, I thought, was going to fight someone in the I first know. period. Mark Stone is chirping in the penalty box through his brother, who was yes. also in the other penalty <laughs> box. And, and by ignoring the way. him. And, and at the same time. Awkward moment for Michael Stone. Hilarious. Yeah hilarious stuff but yeah there's it seemed like a lot of guys got monkeys off their back last night where they haven't been playing well they haven't been able to get anything good going and that's actually where we're going to go next on the other side of the break we are going to take our first breather of the night literally right now uh my name's Lindsay. i'm here with ryan and ben and this is the nightcap on cbs sports radio 1140 and streaming on the radio.com app Filtered hockey talk for Golden Knights fans. It's the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. That was a you know, that was a pretty good statement uh, by, by us. I think um, you know we we're in a we're in a bit of an uphill climb. Um, you know, one way wins not going to cure the last couple weeks of hard times we've gone through. So um, we're going to transfer that energy from uh, from tonight's game to the next one and on to the next one. Hello and welcome back to the Nightcap. The voice you just heard was Cody Eakin following last night's Golden Knights victory over the Calgary Flames. That score was six to nothing. It wasn't really close. Uh, the Knights seem to have gotten their groove back at least for one game. And I'm joined tonight on the Nightcap by my two best friends, at least in Las Vegas. High praise, I know, gentlemen. Ryan Quigley. <laughs> And Ben goes, hello. Hello. It's really, it really is high praise, especially considering you've been here for like, what, uh, like a, two months? Yeah, now? it is yeah. high praise. Yeah. I don't just make friends with I'll anyone. I'll take it. Yeah. No, yeah. I'll certainly take it. Well, yeah. he already, already was basically automatically and just based off of the Homeland connection. You, yeah. however. Virginia. Yeah, Virginia. You had the to Virginia. do some work. Yeah. Um, but we just heard from Cody Eakin and when I was discussing with you guys of what we were going to talk about today, because it's really easy to t- to talk about the Golden Knights and just talk about sports in general when things are going badly, because it's right. easy to figure out oh, what's going wrong. But things went really right last night, and things went really right for a few players, including Cody Eakin. And so what I asked you guys is like, let's pick someone that you saw last night that performed much better than what that what we've seen as of late. There's been a lot of guys getting crap on the roster uh, through the losing streak, through the entire season, because the Knights have just not been up to expectation. But because we started with Eakin, Ryan, why don't we start with you? Yeah, yeah. All right. So as we all pretty much know at this point, Cody Eakin started the season off quite poorly. Uh, through ten, and I'm going to throw some advanced stats out there. I'll explain them to you if you don't understand what they are. Through 10 games in October, he had an awful Corsi 4 percentage of 40.25 at 5-on-5. What does Corsi 4 percentage mean? Yes, please do tell us. Basically what that means is that percentage, that Mm 40.25, is the amount, is the percentage of shot attempts they created while he was on the ice at 5-on-5. Versus? 
What was that? Versus shots against him, right? Or is it just the shots that they've generated? Shots for. Okay. So, like, they had 40% of the shots, mm. which means the other team was out shooting them when he was on the ice by a lot. Got you. So that's very, very bad. Very bad. And that was him in October. The second November started, that number improved dramatically to 51.5 seconds. Numbers are hard. Through eight November games and his goals for percentage, which basically or expected goals for, that's basically just an estimate of uh, high danger scoring chances. Um, so rose. imaginary goals. Yeah, basically. Basically. Yeah. Um, prob- probability and all that yes, stuff numbers. rose from rose to 56.16 from 37.76 in October. This is crazy. And obviously he scored a goal last night. He needed that goal. So bad. Well, that was like, his first goal of the season, wasn't yeah, it? I know, yeah. And it you was. can tell how happy his teammates were for him. Oh I mean, Mark God. Stone, uh, Mark Stone's girlfriend, posted on Instagram this morning really? saying, I wish Mark looked at me like this. So. <laughs> yeah. All that picture that was on the Instagram incredible. last night, that was pretty funny. Well, I'll tell you what, it shouldn't be surprising that Eakin had this, I guess you could say, breakout game this, this month in November. Because you remember that insane hot streak last season where he was basically scoring at will? It was mm-hmm. November. November seems to be a magic month for for Cody Eakin. Well, it's good that he got back on track because he was catching most of the fire, even though I don't think this team lives and dies on Cody Eakin's level of play. But it was, like you said, the relief was absolutely there. And I think Cody Eakin, because he's not a a player that is necessarily always involved offensively, but if he's not contributing at all, you can just see it and his emotions as he plays. He's just not as aggressive. He just, it's easy to kind of see how he goes into his head. And mm. so I think that goal, especially it being his first of the season, he missed some time to start the year. So it's just, he's on a little bit of a delayed timeline, but it's good to see him get back. And they need that third line to be strong because yeah. it has ailed them mightily it's, throughout the season. It's funny because off the ice, he's, I feel like he's a bit stoic. Like I've never heard him really talk he until talk. that. <laughs> like, the other t- that yeah. was, I was about to say, like, oh, my God, he's talking complete sentences. My, right. What's going on? Yeah, right. Exactly. So, nuts. So, Ben, what is a player for you last night that kind of got the monkey off their back in that victory? That's six nothing victory over the Calgary Flames last night. Yeah, I kind of just talked about it. But I mean, Mark Stone, Mark mm. Stone did not have a point in six games heading into last night. He is your highest paid player. I know that he is not a traditional star in the sense that he's not going to get you 40 goals, or you should not be, in my mind, expecting 40 goals from Mark Stone. Mm-hmm. But you still need him to show up and produce most nights. Point and per last, game guy. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Like He's obviously he does so much defensively that you don't necessarily need him to be put up crazy numbers offensively. But last night, even if he didn't score a goal, which he did late, I loved what I saw from him in terms of he was creating deflections, he was creating chances for others, and, I mean, I pointed out how he was chirping in the penalty box. I really like that from him. I like when he decides to, you know, he's not, I don't think, a rah-rah vocal kind of leader guy, but when he's on the ice, I think when he does stuff like that, it fires his teammates up of like, oh, hey, that was our guy who's getting paid $9.5 million for the next eight years, like regardless of what he does from now right. on, mm-hmm. still being aggressive and like, trying to fight guys. And, I mean, obviously, whenever Mark Stone fights guys, he's putting a <laughs> lot on the line. I know. Yes. Exactly. And then, he, then he gets up looking like a wild man. His hair's all over the place. It's crazy. But this I think when true. he does that, it, like I said, it energizes the rest of the night. It does. Like, okay, if that guy's putting it all on the line, yeah. then I have no excuse to put it all on the line, too. And I think the Knights played like that, and I wonder if that was something that kind of shook them out of their heads after they'd kind of been in them 
during this five-game losing streak of like, oh, Mark Stone says it's go time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our highest played player. He's got an A on his chest. Like, that means it's go time. Like, let's go. And like I said, he scored the goal late on the power play. To me, it almost didn't matter. It was a reward for kind of how well he played the rest of the game because, like I said, I thought he was feisty. Mm-hmm. He created this attitude that permeated the rest of the team. And he just set up so many guys for chances where it felt if he didn't get an assist in that game, he was at least owed a goal yeah. late. Right. And he actually had a he had a wide open breakaway opportunity that he created for himself, as right, he so yeah. often does. He has a really good knack of pressuring defense when the Knights are playing in their defensive zone. His and, stick is crazy. Right. And that's the thing. He's able to knock pucks from these guys yeah. and just at least uh, get them off the track that they were on at an uncanny rate. But he went down on that breakaway and shot and missed the net. And that's why the Carlson thing was so big. And granted, that the stone breakaway was after that fact. But that's where I'm talking about that confidence value of Carlson going down there and doing what he usually does and getting rewarded for it and what that does for his game. And Mark Stone, like you said, Ben, didn't get that goal till late. But you could tell early on after that breakaway that he missed. After a bunch, he had a crossbar. He had a ton of chances and a ton of shots that should be goals. But for some reason, the hockey gods are like, yeah, Mark Stone, we're going to torture you for the next couple yeah. of days. <laughs> and, and they didn't go in. And so so to him, for for him to overcome that and to have all those chances all game, I think does wonders for him in this lineup. Because like you said, Ben, he is probably the most important player on this roster, not just offensively, but defensively more so. Yeah. For me, the person who got over their biggest hump as they climbed out of obscurity, I have two guys, actually. One of them is Marc-Andre Fleury. Of course you picked the goal. Of course. Obviously. As a a former goaltender, I feel like it is necessary to always highlight goaltenders. But I think it was important for Mark to turn in one of those stereotypical performances that he does, but to have the team answer behind him as well. Like I said uh, in the previous segment, which you can catch uh, on CBS Sports Radio 1140 or on the Radio.com app or on Apple Podcasts. For him to make the the sequence of saves that he did and then for Carlson to go down on that that very next rush, shoot and score, I think provides a lot of relief for Flurry because he has been under barrage to start this season. There have been a ton of high danger scoring chances, second, third, fourth, fifth rebound chances where he's having to make saves that are not natural. And those things, they take a toll. And so to have the team respond and to have that consistent defensive effort and concerted effort, which he doesn't get night in and night out, or at least hasn't yet this year, because they're a very different team playing in front of Malcolm Subban than they are in front of Marc-Andre Fleury. I think that's important for his confidence to just be like, I don't have to do this by myself. Like, I don't have to turn in this every night. And some nights you are going to need those great performances for your offense to get going. But just to show that, hey, team, rest of the team, we can win some games for you too, I think was important. And then my second player is Nate Schmidt, who had four assists last year. Yeah, yeah. More than doubled his season point total. Right. (laughs) And obviously, he missed a good chunk of the season to start after getting hurt in the very first game against the San Jose Sharks. That leg injury that looks so scary. That looks awful. Oh, God. And we are extremely lucky. The Golden Knights are extremely lucky considering how spotty the defensive core has been. But... Again, one of those guys that has been doing a lot of of good things. For him to get rewarded on his impact of the game, uh, Ben, you had mentioned the transition, getting the pucks out of the net. Gerard Gallant said how big of a difference that made in their breakouts because when you get stuck in your defensive zone, you get tired, right? Yeah, and Carlson mentioned how good it was, too. I mean, Mm -hmm. on the second two-on-one that he and Pacioretty had, it was a backhand, like hard backhand shovel from Nate Schmidt to get that two-on-one going. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is like a hard pass for a defensive 
to make in their own zone. And Schmidt did, and it obviously led to a goal. I mean, I think Schmidt kind of found the right balance last night where he was starting offense, but he was still responsible defensively. I mean, I think in the Chicago Blackhawks game, he got in his own head of like he knew the Knights have not been good mm-hmm. getting offense from their defensemen. And so I think he was trying almost too hard Super to make hero plays mode. happen at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Knights got caught up in a lot of odd man rushes the other way because mm-hmm. he was trying so hard and being really aggressive in the offensive zone. Last night, he found a really good balance where he was starting the rush, but then still hanging back and being responsible in his own end, too. And if the Knights get that kind of effort from Nate Schmidt consistently, that just opens up so many possibilities for them because they need him to be a shutdown guy with Braden McNabb on that first bear. And they need him to start their rush because he's so good at it and they don't really have anyone else that's as good at it as Schmidt is. Right. So important to this team and so important to have everybody in their best confidence and their Sunday best, you could say, in that six over six nothing win over the Calgary Flames. It's time for another intermission break. We're gonna take a quick breather. Uh Ben and Ryan will both be back with me. And it's time for the dump and chase segment, that very special segment that we have each and every Monday night falling on the 35th minute because it's the best number of all time. But we'll let you know what exactly we are dumping and chasing today. I'm your host, Lindsey Brown. That's Ben and that's Ryan. This is The Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140 and streaming on the Radio.com app. Time for a little dump and Chase, the nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. That is right. It is time for our dump and chase segment as it is each and every Monday on the, during the 35th minute on the nightcap because 35 was my hockey number. And it's the greatest number, so we should commemorate it. Duh. Uh, my name is Lindsey Brown, your host always and forever. And remember, you can find this entire show, any other nightcap that we've done in the past, and every future nightcap that we will do, at least hopefully, in theory, on the CBS Sports Radio 1140 webpage on the radio.com app or on Apple Podcasts. You can just search literally the nightcap and it will pull up and you can hear all of our beautiful voices, inc- mine, including my two co-hosts here tonight, Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. Hello, gentlemen. Hey. Yo, yo. Hello, hello. So the Dump and Chase segment, we all are semi-familiar with the dump and chase term, meaning you, you dump the puck in and make sure you can change your line, you know, have the other team collected in their defensive zone and restart it all over again. So these are kind of random thoughts, streams of consciousness that we've had, or at least I've had in the past. Now I want to open it up to you guys and slash, I want you guys to do some prep work too. Oh yeah. Less work for Did me. so much work. So right. we're each going to just have a little random thought or something we'd like to address that we haven't addressed previously. So Ben, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, mine's Golden Knights related because I went to uh, a street hockey clinic with Max Pacioretty and Paul Stasny today where they went into North Las Vegas and basically taught a bunch of kids some hockey. And obviously, yeah, North Las Vegas, a little bit more like diverse community, and that's mm-hmm. important for hockey, which is a sport yes. that is not very diverse. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it was cool talking to Max Pacioretty afterward because he's a guy who grew up in Connecticut, which is also not a traditional hockey market. Uh, his mother was born in Mexico, and so Pacioretty is one of the few NHL players of Hispanic descent. So to hear him talk about how happy 
it made him and how meaningful it is to him to go into places like North Las Vegas, teach kids how to play hockey, have them smile and like it, and you know, in his head, hopefully kind of take it up moving forward, was really cool. And he and Paul Stasny have done this uh, both seasons they've been with the Golden Knights. This is not a new thing mm. that they've done. And they've hosted these kids at games. They're going to host a bunch of those kids at the Edmonton Oilers game on Saturday. So shout out to both of them. That's a really cool thing they're doing. Uh, I have a road story for TheReviewJournal.com if people want to check it out. But yeah, good on those guys. How many kids were there? About 40. Oh That's my. a tall order. Yeah. As they someone, had help. It wasn't just oh, the two yeah, of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I... I, I Back when I was coaching back home, I, I I ran the office for the hockey company I worked in. We had a couple hundred kids at a time, but forty kids when when there's sticks and and pucks or balls flying around, yeah, kids have a tendency to not listen as closely, much like adults, but like much like sometimes me. worse. Yes, but you are a big, you're a big kid though. I'm a giant child. You are a giant child, but we kind of all are. That's why we're here. That's why I have chosen you. Yeah, and we have <laughs> and you have chosen me. We have chosen each other. Ohana means family. You know. Yeah. That's right. Ryan, what's your dump and chase uh, contribution for today? So, as you may or may not know, the Golden Knights are taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs tomorrow. Mm. And there's a certain somebody on that Toronto Maple Leafs uh, coaching coaching squad. The uh, the one, the only, Mike Babcock. Yes. Who sounds like he's losing the team a little bit. Seat five is warm. Game, five game losing streak. Seat is toasty warm. Is Burning it though? Butt. I feel like it is. I feel like he has a couple koozies though. Yeah, it's Mike Babcock. He's an Olympic gold medalist. How many times he's won? How many cups with the Detroit Red Wings? I get it. He's yeah, right. There's pressure. He cemented his his spot in hockey, you know, history. Mm -hmm. I'll say that. But at this point, in the right here and right now, is he the best coach for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I don't know if he is. I don't know if he's not. Right. But right now, it's not looking good. No. And especially after being. Killed by the Pittsburgh Penguins six to one the other night. <laughs> Please tell me you guys have seen the video. Oh, it was incredible. Of the Maple Leafs Hockey fans. Yeah, oh god. Yeah, of course that went viral everywhere. Amazing. It's genius. <laughs> and the score comes up r- like perfectly right at the All end. Right. And you know that Toronto, they're slate hockey fans there, much like most of Canada. Yeah, they're very the, passionate. They're very Hon- passionate. Honestly, I just it, th- this whole thing. I love chaos. For those of you who don't know, chaos is just my favorite thing. And so, like, to see this, just a Toronto team doing poorly in hockey, which is, like, the one sport Toronto should be good at, it's great. I love it. Well, and doing great in basketball. basketball, I was going to say. They're pretty Look good at basketball. Us. The world yeah, yeah. is upside down. Yeah. It is. But it, hockey, hockey, that's my, yeah. Babcock's situation is fascinating to me because that's a very young team, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. You've got an older captain, but you've got a very young core with Morgan Riley, Austin right. Matthews, William Nylander, uh, Mitch Marner. Just you've got those a guys. very young GM yeah. who's like in his yeah. 30s. And he's just such an old dude. Right. He's and only so, like, old because the, all the rest of the guys are so young. You're right. Yeah, well, but he's I feel like, still pretty old. I, know. I feel like it's a trend in a lot of other sports. Like we see it in baseball where you go get the young manager who's just out of playing so he can relate to the players. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we see it in other sports too. Football, Sean McVay. Exactly. Prime example. So I'm curious if that's something that the Leafs are going to end up looking into. Of like, okay, who's a young coach who can vibe with you know Austin Matthews mm-hmm. and Mitch Marner and get them going a, in a way that just maybe Mike Babcock can't right now. Right, and that's what's going to kind of lead into my point is I almost wonder if there's that generational difference where you just start getting too much on the outlier. And Matt, Mike Babcock is not old. But he's older, and yeah. these and kids are different than they were even five, six years ago. I mean, the millennial Gen Z kind of weird, just micro-generation thing. You know, technology has shaped a lot of our lives, and we're exposed to different stuff at different ages. So that's going to affect how you 
communicate with the world, how right. you go at, how you see it. So maybe there's just a little bit of a disconnect. I don't know if they if they are going to fire him. He's Wouldn't about that as, be spicy? Though? He, it's about as untouchable as you can get. But I mean, we saw Joe Quenville get fired really right. early into the season right. last year, and he had how many? He had three cups in in Chicago. Yeah. So no one is safe. No Nobody one is, is safe, and especially if you're under the spotlight of Toronto. Well, for my dump and chase contribution, I would like to discuss. Well, now former, but kind of still goaltender for the New Jersey Devils that we just saw not too long ago, Corey Schneider. They're consummate starter each and every year, but he hasn't been playing like it for the last couple years. So the club, the New Jersey Devils, placed him on waivers today. He cleared those and is now playing with the AHL affiliate for the Devils, and they're paying him $6 million to do so. I thought the Golden Knights should have taken a look. Your thoughts. Take a look, yeah. Kick the tires. Definitely kick the... I mean, you'd be wrong if you're not kicking the tires on a player like that who was a former all-star goaltender. You know what I mean? Like, he Mm -hmm. he used to be really, really good. Yeah, he's a starting goaltender, at least he used to be. Yeah, the last couple years, he's been not so good. But, I mean, you might as well at least give it a look, give it a see. And we were talking about this a little bit during the break. Like, do we know that Subban will be, be back next year? And if he is, is it that much of a discrepancy between Corey Schneider and Subit. Right. It's an interesting question. I mean, obviously the cap hit just six makes mil a year, which is crazy. Pretty much impossible for yeah, the Knights to be in their salary cap situation. Think, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But obviously it is a brings up at least an interesting discussion point moving forward of yeah. Is Malcolm Subban in year three different than Malcolm Subban in year two? Mm-hmm. Is he really the guy you want backstopping Marc-Andre Fleury as he continues to get older and the Knights have been a little bit better at getting Malcolm Subban more games this year? Games haven't always gone well. I don't think Malcolm Subban was necessarily that great in Los Angeles. Yeah. I don't think he really did much to keep that team in the game. Was no. he horrible? No, but at some point, I think he, he was, want yeah. a little bit he more from any, your backup He didn't do them any favors. He didn't come up with any big saves. Right, right. And that's the thing. I think what the Golden Knights wanted from Malcolm, and maybe we'll get it later on this year or next year, I don't know, but they wanted it to be more tandem. They don't want to go full-blown like the Bruins are yeah, with Yaroslavalok yeah. and Tuka Rask. But I think they wanted somebody who who could carry a little more weight than what Malcolm has shown so far. And granted, he's been injured. He has. He, it's very tough to get in a rhythm. There's a lot of things working against Malcolm. But for me... Corey Schneider wouldn't be a bad option as a tandem goaltender uh, to partner with Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, if you're taking the contract and all the other stuff that matters out of it, yeah, it, it works. But it's just, like you guys said, something to keep an eye on because I think they are going to maybe have to make a move. Because Malcolm hasn't won yet this year, guys. And it's not all his fault, but he's not faultless either. Right. And so, I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I don't think that he won be- until late. Last that, year, either. Yeah, yeah, that would be spicy, though. Yeah. Schneider coming on in here. But what kind of goalie is he? Is he the kind of goalie where he where he plays better if he knows he's the guy, or is he the guy who plays better if he's in a battle or something like that? Right. Yeah, you, Lindsay, you know how goalies oh, are. Oh, trust me, I do. Goalie psychology is crazy in the mind. It's, it's, Nuts. It is crazy, and it, it is absolute modern warfare in in the mental side, at least. Most of the time, maybe it's a little more chill in uh, in the NHL level. It seems like Malcolm and Mark Andre have a pretty good relationship. Yeah, yeah, they're fine. But yeah, the cap hit makes it a no go. But it's an interesting thing to consider, especially with the trade deadline coming up. And since yeah. there are going to be the the GMs are meeting in Toronto for their November meetings, which they do each and every year tomorrow night. So that's where a lot of the trade talks get laid down. A lot of the seeds are planted. Yeah, they're going to have to kick the tires on a number of things, mm-hmm. like defenseman? their cap space. Yeah, defenseman. Maybe probably. just maybe their cap space. 
There's not a lot of it, but they have mm-hmm. been, of course, sending all these rookies up and down to try to create at least a couple extra thousand dollars of cap room. Obviously, Nick Waugh yeah. is down in the American Hockey League, Chicago Wolves right now. Right. Oh, uh, I would expect he's probably going to be at practice tomorrow and yeah. call back up. Yeah. I like that kid, man. Yeah. Nick Waugh, man. I'm a fan of his. You, you, they're going to have to make some just true hockey trades where it's got matches up with guys' contract and stuff. Otherwise, like you said, there's no room to move. All right. We have one more break and uh, one little more tidbit for you guys for the nightcap before we send you back into the darkness. My name is Lindsey Brown, your host, Always and Forever. I'm joined by Ryan Quigley and Ben Goats. And this is the nightcap. You can listen to us on CBS Sports Radio 1140 AM or our streaming on the radio.com app. The Nightcap. That's a night with a K, as in Golden Knights. Duh. On CBS Sports Radio 1140. And welcome back to the final stretch here of the Nightcap, at least for this week. Uh, my name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. And as Shakira said, whenever, wherever, you can find the nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140.com, streaming on the radio.com app, or on Apple Podcasts. That is actually working. It is up. I have done it myself. I'm going to tweet after the show ex- a step by step tutorial on how to do that, all the way down to just opening up the actual podcast app. That is the level of detail that we are accustomed to here at the nightcap and at CBS Sports Radio 1140. And I'm joined by my two co hosts here. It's Ryan, us. It is you. Who are you? We're still here. <laughs> yeah, we are. We didn't run out and climb out the window or nothing. Ryan Quigley here. Mm-hmm. I'm Ben Goats. Hello, gentlemen. You're Thank Lindsay you. Brown. I, that's that's my name. I've already introduced myself. Everybody knows already who I am. Come on now. No one knows. Come on now. <laughs> so we'll Host just, of the show. Nobody knows. We know. like to end <laughs> the nightcap just with a little quick look ahead to the games on the docket for the Knights this week. They are going to be at home all week after being on the road. Quite or was that, were they on the road? No, it was only just two games last week, but they were both at home, so it seemed like they were kind of on the road. Starting with the Maple Leafs tomorrow night, Tuesday, as we said in uh, before we took the break, they're not playing so. They're not well. playing great, so we're pre- they're probably going to be dealing with a uh, kind of an amped up team now. Mm-hmm. Now hearing that their head coach is on the hot seat. So. If right. the Golden Knights hadn't won last night, this would be the ultimate Spider-Man meme game. Oh, of yeah. the two <laughs> Spider-Man pointing yeah, at each other. Yeah. Gosh, Ben, you're, that's so. I spot mean, they're on. both, you know teams with a lot of expectations mm-hmm. were expected to be cup contenders and it's been a meh start yeah. for it's both. It's been a meh start. Yeah. And that this will be the final game that they will play the Maple Leafs at least unless they both get to the Stanley Cup final because they lost in overtime a couple weeks ago when they were visiting Toronto on one of their East Coast road trips. So that this will be the final time we will see Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and all those high-octane offensive weapons that the Leafs have and hopefully will continue to not use at least for one more night. And then on Thursday, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this team. They're down the road. Uh, I hear that oh, people uh, don't like them that much around here. The San Jose Sharks, are they? I thought they were the minnows. The minnows? Yeah. I believe they're sharks. I don't think minnows have teeth, but the sharks do, especially since they're winning again. I think they've won five straight. Yeah, I think the Knights might hear that Jaws music coming up right yeah. behind mm-hmm. them. Because if they had not won again, once again uh, last night, the Sharks would be right on the heels. The Sharks are kind of still on their heels. They're just two points back of the Knights in the standing with a game in hand. So mm-hmm. they have come all the way back, yep. the Sharks. Are, are the Sharks officially The Sharks back? are sharking. That's what they're doing. They're back? They are sharking. 
And no team could play that bad for that long. Right. I mean, they've already they've played the Golden Knights twice. They opened up the season with a home and home back to back series. The Knights took both of those games in convincing fashion, and the Sharks kind of basically spiraled for a while. But as of late, like I said, I think they've won at least five games in a row. Things are looking up, and the Knights need to keep pace in this di- right. this yeah. Pacific Division because it's contentious. And then they face another Pacific Division rival, the Edmonton Oilers, who are leading the division. This Saturday. So big, big, huge week for the Knights. I heard the uh, Oilers have a couple good players. There's this Irish kid named Connor McDavid. McDavid? I- I've never heard of Mc- McDavid. McDavid? I've never heard of him. He I- had slight skill. I know you got I know you got Oscar Clefbaum. <laughs> That's the guy you circle on the scouting <laughs> That's report. Guy That's the guy you circle right there. And yeah. uh, one James Neal, who was important to <laughs> James franchise. Neal. James And is playing he's really back. well. He's yeah, back. I mean, it Peters. helps when you're on the power play, and I believe he's got eight power play goals How already. How does he have now? Let's see. It really helps when, yeah, you got Connor McDavid feeding you the puck on the power play. But yeah, 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 yeah. he's yeah. back. If the Knights could get po- points in all these games, obviously you would like to go 3-0, and but I think you need to get those points going. Uh, I think you need to definitely win over the Sharks. 12 goals for Jamison Neal. Oh, boy. Well, we are going to have to really deep dive on that. It's, it's crazy yeah. his years he's having this year following last year's kind of gong show of a season. Well... Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to Mark. This will, this will do it for us on the nightcap, at least just for this Monday. You can catch us each and every Monday, 6 to 7 p.m. right here on CBS Sports Radio 1140 a.m. or streaming on the Radio.com app. My name is Lindsay Brown, your host, always and forever. Cheers to you. Cheers to me. Cheers to us. And all will be. As I said, I'm Lindsay Brown. This has been the nightcap. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.